I remember the day it was announced that you were doing it full time, and I was like, finally! <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. We're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. I was kind of thinking about like future plans for Scent Men and I was like, okay, we kind of have a plan-ish through the end of October. And then I was like, we take a break for the holidays. And then I was like, wait, the holidays are coming up. Yeah, Where we're like 2021 there already. Go? Isn't that Yeah, nuts? it's kind of crazy. Um, I don't really feel like I've done much this year. That's not true. That's not giving myself credit, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all re-entered the world this year, so. And we might be re-exiting it, yeah. Quarantine soon. God. Uh, uh. I mean, we could start another podcast if we, if we go into shutdown again. What a great way to start this episode. <laughs> this guest today does have a long, 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 long resume. Long, long, oh, long, okay, long. so... Guys, theme of Summer with Scent Men, if you didn't pick up on it already for our Alphabet guests, is Alphabets who have done a million contracts. Yes. The summer of a million contracts. And for this final Alphabet interview that you're getting in Summer with Scent Men, we are bringing in the Alphabet, who has, the actress who has performed Alphabet more times than any other actress on this good old planet that we live on. Yeah. Jennifer Denoya. Jennifer Denoya. I mean, this has truly been a summer of legends. Are you excited enough to read through her entire resume? I was assuming you were going to ask me to, and so yes, I am <laughs> prepared to do that. <laughs> but quick detour before we start is that Miss Jenny Denoya went to Point Park University for a period of time, which is where I went also. Yeah, very cute. So in 2003, she went out on the Mamma Mia national tour uh, in the ensemble Understudying Alley. 2004, she was in the Las Vegas cast of We Will Rock You in the ensemble and Understudying Scaramouche. In 2007, she made, and get used to hearing this name, her wicked debut in the Chicago company as a swing and then sometime into her contract, they added the Emergency Alphabet cover to her track. Then, also in 2007, she was bumped up to the Alphabet Standby, which she did for over a year, and she closed the show in that track. 2009, she made her Broadway debut as the Alphabet Standby, which she did until August 2011, except for when she went to Australia for one month as an emergency alphabet standby for the Australian company. Jet setter. Jet setter. So she comes back from Australia. We're fast forwarding until August 2011 when she exits the Broadway company. Then in 2012, she joins the company of the Asian tour of Wicked, stepping in as Alphaba for Gemma Ricks for, you know, in another kind of emergency replacement situation. Then she comes back to Wicked on Broadway as the Alphaba standby. Oh, I'm out of breath. Then, uh, in 2013, she's back out on the road with Wicked in the second national tour, making her principal alphabet debut, which must have felt so cool. I mean, that's what, like six years in the making. And we're only halfway through, <laughs> through this journey with Wicked. I remember sitting <laughs> in high school, mm -hmm. scrolling on probably Broadway.com at the time, and seeing that she was finally getting a principal contract and losing my mind. I love that for you. That's very cute, Quincy. So after she was out on the second national tour as Principal Alphaba, she goes back into the Broadway company as standby, as kind of an in-between girl before Lily Cooper came in. 
and then jumps across the pond over to the West End where she does another principal contract as Alphaba. The only other American to play Alphaba in the West End yes. except for Miss Adina Menzel. A distinct privilege and honor, I would say. After her time in the West End, she comes back to the States and joins the first national tour as the principal Alphaba. Uh, and she was the closing cast of the first national tour. So that's a big deal. Again, 2015, she was a temporary principal Alphaba. I, I think, again, in kind of an in-between situation. Guys, Wicked had her on speed dial. Speed dial, mama. <laughs> Do you, the amount of time she got like a you up text from Wicked. <laughs> so then... 2016, our girl does Principal Alphaba on Broadway for a year. And then in 2019, rejoins the Broadway company as the standby, where she is the current Alphaba standby to friend of the pod, Lindsay Pierce. Like we started this Wicked journey in 2007, and she is literally in the current Broadway cast of Wicked in 2021. That's nutso cords of steel cords of steel baby we've talked so much about her wickedness can we get a choices options in bootleg we sure can i'm very excited for this i would like to start by saying that searching jennifer denoya on youtube gives you a treasure trove of wicked so sifting through it to find something that was not wicked was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and where i landed quincy was at the women of wicked concert in 2011 sure where our guest jennifer denoya sings the chain by ingrid michelson accompanied by katie rose clark and d rossioli wow first of all that's my sun moon rising (laughs) second of all like, talk about three of the clearest voices that you've ever heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sounds so good. Why I like this song for Ms. Jennifer DeNoya is because she gets to use, like, that kind of, like, nice, light, floaty mm-hmm. part, which is, like, obviously different than what we are mm-hmm. accustomed to hearing her singing. Um, but she does bring the belt in on the chorus for anybody who's missing it. <laughs> You're unfamiliar with the song, but at the end, there's this kind of like a round where it's like she sings the chorus and then a measure later, she comes in again singing the chorus mm-hmm. and then a measure. But so Jenny, Katie and Dee do that yeah. effect. Yeah. It's so good because it's just these three like great, beautiful voices all just like floating around each other. Oh, it's so yummy. Interesting. I know. I need to look you it have up. To, you have to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. And I love that song too. Because truthfully, Ingrid Michaelson. Wasn't she in Grey Comet? Yes. And that's when she like kind of really yeah. came on my radar. And then she like performed at Elsie Fest and she's like writing the Notebook musical. So that's where like she really kind of came yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Ooh, fun. What is like her mainstream hit? She sings, um, cause I love That's it. the way you call me baby. I do love those like women of Wicked Wicked Divas concerts because there's something so thrilling about seeing like, cause it's always like women who have done Wicked but weren't necessarily paired together in the show. So it's fun to see yeah. them together outside of the show and then to also see them sing non-Wicked songs but also get some Wicked songs. They're very fun. Yeah, I mean, it's like watching... An all-star season of a TV show. Sure. They're super fun. Maybe they'll do maybe they'll do a new one after the yeah, after the shutdown. I feel like they kind of fell off for a little bit. Should we just do it, Quincy? No, I want to do a 54 below thing where we just bring in all of our former guests and make them sing what we want them to sing. Alphabet roulette. (laughs) 
<laughs> we just have a wheel of like 11 o'clock numbers. And it's like, Caroline Bowman, you'll be singing Meadowlark. <laughs> I envisioned it as we would send every guest a list of songs in like customized, personalized to them. List of songs that we mm-hmm. would like them to sing and be like, you can choose three of these. Choose <laughs> three. All 18 of them are going to do three. <laughs> That's what I want. It's a day. It's like seeing Angels in America. There, there's four intermissions. A festival. Sentimental Men Festival. <laughs> it's oh just in that God. weird parking lot on 8th Avenue. <laughs> The empty lot next to the Imperial Theater. That's where we'll have it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, before we get into our interview with Jenny, we have to tell you about this podcast that we think you'll love because we love it. And Kevin, please tell me more about this podcast we're talking about. This podcast is called Backstage With, and it's hosted by our good friend and fellow scent man, Mikey. And he, it's a podcast kind of like ours, where he just like sits and has great conversations with theater folk. Yeah, a little broader than us right now. But he does have a lot of wicked episodes. He's got Alphabas Glinda's Wizards. Marbles, like he he's got them all. Talk to like Carrie Ellis. Talk to Stephen Schwartz. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Lots of good bonus wicked content. Yeah, so check it out uh, anywhere you listen to your podcasts, or follow him at at backstage with. Um, and yeah, tell him we sent you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go spam his comments. Yeah. Say, sent men sent me. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Denoya, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. This feels a long time coming. We've been wanting to talk to you for a while now. Oh, well, I'm really, really excited to be here. I've been geeking out watching your podcast for quite some time. <laughs> Before we start, I want to say, Jenny, we both went to Point Park. <gasps> you went to Point Park? I did. And you were, you were a dance major, right? I was a dance major, yeah. Yeah, I was a musical theater major. Oh, Good for you. I really should have gone for musical theater. I just, at that time in my life, I, I wasn't like comfortable with that. I was more comfortable with dancing, but yeah. um, it's really changed since mm-hmm. I've been there. Like it's now- Even since I've been there too, yeah. Yeah, it's like a university. It's beautiful. Like when I was there, like our dorm rooms, I don't know if the dorms are still like above like that old hotel vibe. Oh, Lawrence Hall? Yes. Haunted with the shuffler? <laughs> I heard the shuffler. That Me too. Real. Yes. <laughs> what is going on? Quincy, the shuffler is a ghost that haunts the dorms uh, at Point Park. And the, uh, because it sounds like someone walking but dragging their feet. It's so it's, scary. <laughs> it's good to know that these stories were not just like isolated to my ears there. Nope, they weren't. <laughs> nope. That was really cute. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so we start every interview by asking, when did Wicked the musical come into your life? So the first like real solid memory I have of Wicked is um, I was on tour with Mamma Mia and I was at the National Theater doing the show and somebody started playing the cast album of Wicked. And I was like, oh, like, what is this? Um, I was already like a massive fan of Adina from Rent. Mm -hmm. So just listening to a show, obviously like led by two women, but like this music, the music is just, it's so beautiful. And hearing her just like wail through these songs. And I I never actually saw the show until I booked the show. I obviously I knew the story. There weren't like a million bootlegs online that you could watch at the time. (laughs) 
because this is a long time ago. Which we were talking, you are like a very bootlegged Elphaba. Am I really? I stopped. I had to stop looking at stuff online because it sure. was just too like mentally yeah. drained. Yeah. Well, people have had the most opportunities. I know. To, I've been to, in the show for long bootleg. enough. <laughs> okay. So you were in Mamma Mia. You heard the music. At this point, were you, did you consider yourself like a belter? This is a role I could do? Or were you just like obsessed with the show? I was obsessed with the show. I don't know if I considered myself a belter. I think I like naively was like, I want to do that. Like, and didn't really think about any of the things that you have to do to actually do that. More like, you know, like being a kid and dreaming about being on Broadway, you know, is that kind of like, oh, I could get there. Mm -hmm. You were talking about how you started off as a dancer. So at what point did you kind of transition into the musical theater track? When I started understudying Elphaba. Really? I mean, so the show I did before Wicked, I did We Will Rock You in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I was hired in the ensemble as a dancer. I didn't understudy anybody. And then um, this is like my pattern, I guess. But like as the time went on in the show, uh, an understudy position for Scaramouche opened up. And so I was like, oh, I want to try out. I'll try out. And so they they ended up giving it to me. So that was my first taste of like carrying a role, you know, doing something mm-hmm. that was more than just like saying a few lines or and like singing a song by myself uh, on stage. And had you been doing any vocal training or was it all just natural? So when I joined Mamma Mia, maybe the second week of performances, I completely lost my voice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before then, no voice lessons. Um, you know, because in Mamma Mia, all the booth singing happens backstage. Mm-hmm. So you do a lot of like right. these straight toned, like just backup singing, backup vocals. And I lost my voice completely. And we were headed to LA. And the musical director was like, you should maybe take a voice lesson. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, no. I-, I should probably do that now. This is what I'm doing. Um, and I took like two or three voice lessons from a Seth Riggs associate who's a vocal teacher out in LA. And so I had those like vocal warmups. So I just didn't take any voice lessons until I started doing Wicked and and wanting to play Alphaba. Cause I was like, this is not a role, like unlike Scaramouche, you know, you can kind of, you know, screech your way through it. Cause it's like sure. rock and roll and, <laughs> um, but Alphaba is obviously not that type of role. You, you can maybe play it once and like, yeah. blow your voice out but to sustain an eight show week is a completely different story and mm-hmm. for any amount of time so i heavily started back into voice lessons once i got that interesting yeah. what was your process like of getting from that swing track into the the standby track what was that journey like gosh you know thinking about it it's like i don't know how many months it was or like it's been so long but um I think it was about around the six month marker where I was fully just a swing. I had finally like learned and, you know, quote unquote, mastered all of my tracks, Mm -hmm. which I feel like as a swing, you know, it takes a really long time to master tracks, uh, which I did not master by six months. And was covering that many roles, was that the most you've taken on in your career at that point? Yeah. Like I was, I remember the first time I watched the show, obviously I was like, oh my God, the show is beautiful. But my immediate thought afterwards was, what did I get myself into? What did I sign up for? <laughs> what did I sign up for? Yeah. Being a swing is, I personally think it's one of the scariest, hardest. It's not like glorified enough, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The swings mm-hmm. really, they save the day all the time. And yeah. they have to know so much and it's hard. So I finished learning all of my tracks by six months. And one of the 
or the understudy in the show hurt herself. And at this time it was 2006. So the show had really only been open for a couple of years and Mm -hmm. they didn't really have like a massive pool of people like they do now to be like, Hey, you know, can you fly out from New York? And you know, right, 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 right. Exactly. So they kind of wanted to cover it internally because she really wasn't going to be out for very long. She just needed like a six week to eight week break. So I recorded myself with the musical director on a cassette tape. (laughs) We sent it to New York to um, Stephen Aramis. Uh And I I think they just kind of said, sure, you know, she can be the emergency cover. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the way that my alphabet, you know, started. How did that happen internally, though? Because I have to imagine if you're a swing in the Chicago company to kind of work up the chutzpah to be like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there to be this cover. How did that all happen? Going into the show, I just wanted to be in the show, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I knew that if I could get into the show, I could at least be a a fly in the wall, be able to observe. I'm a great observer. I like to watch and that's how I learn the best. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I learned how to play alphabet, obviously, because I was a standby for so, so mm-hmm. long. Yeah, I just kind of kept a conversation going with our musical director, just saying, I really am interested in this. I want to understudy more. I want to learn how to do this, you know, and I would ask to work on the music with him and I would work on the music on my own. I'd work on it at voice lessons. And then I would, you know, mention it to creatives when they came into town, just saying, you know, I'm interested in this. If mm-hmm. You know, just putting the seed out there, right? Like, yeah. I would like to do this. Tell me what I need to do to get right. there. Yeah. You right. know, self advocacy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's really hard because it's a fine line. I think, you know, because you never want to be pushy. Also, like, I wasn't coming from a place at that time where I was like, I had any kind of like background of being like, I can do this because it was right. kind of like, I don't know really what's going to happen at this point because yeah. I really didn't any experience. So uh, it took me a very long time to play the role. So mm-hmm. I, I think that it was just me like s- making those very slow steps yeah. for myself, as well as, you know, people kind of saying, okay, let's give her a chance. Yeah. So did you have to do anything else besides sending the cassette in to get that emergency cover role? I read, I read with um, some understudies in our rehearsal room in Chicago, because this was when I was in the Chicago company. I think when one of the creatives came into town, because they would pop in sure. every once in a while to yeah, do yeah. cleanup and notes and that kind of thing. So I probably read for our associate director at that time. Okay. But it didn't like match up completely. Like it, it was kind of strange. It was, I think that I got the emergency cover and then they came out and they they had me read and then they were like, okay, she can continue being the emergency cover. Got it. At that point in your career, when you got the cover, was that like a huge deal? Was it overwhelming? Yeah. Oh my God, it was the best thing that's ever happened, ever. <laughs> like it was so magical. Like the fact that I got to do like a put-in yeah. and painted green, nothing can take away your first time being green sure. and doing it. I don't remember details of it whatsoever, <laughs> but I just the feeling. remember feeling that like crazy. I mean, I guess that's why, I'm, you know, 15 years later, I'm still doing the show, but <laughs> yeah, it was really magical. So at that point, did you have your sights set on being full-time Alphaba? Right. Like when did that ambition come in? 
once I had like a few shows under my belt, I was like, okay, I'm learning this. You know, I, you know, another like six to eight months had passed. And I was like, I want to be the standby, <laughs> you know, like that was like the next step. Oh, I, it wasn't that. like, you know, let's go straight you know, to full principle. Right yeah. away. <laughs> well, especially in the early days, I think now they kind of bring in women and you're like, you can do full time immediately. But yeah. back then it really was, I feel like you started a standby and then you work your way up to full time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I needed that. I'm very grateful that I had those years because I don't think if I had so much time as a standby, I don't think I would have had the career that I've had with the show. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have learned as much about myself as an actor or about Elphaba. She's a part of me at this point. Yeah, Like I can jump into the show and it's something that is in my my soul. It's like in my body somewhere. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that time. But yeah, the next step was always the standby. Like that's like what I had my sights set on. And then after Chicago standby was Broadway standby, correct? Yes. So Chicago closed and we found out that Chicago was becoming essentially, not every single person, but it was becoming the second national tour. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That cast moved to open the second national tour with obviously with a couple different leads different yeah. ensemble members, but the core group was Chicago. And I, they gave me the standby on Broadway, which was my Broadway debut. Yeah. So it was like amazing. From the time in Chicago, you really did the like by the book climbing up through the ranks, I would say until Broadway. And that's when we went international. Yeah. Yes. That's when everything started to like. Yeah. I'm very curious to how that was presented to you because that's not like a very normal thing that happens. It was totally not normal. I'd been a standby, I think, for about a year on Broadway. And it was a Friday. I remember this vividly. The lead Elphaba in Australia hurt herself. So they needed somebody to get out there. And the company there was fairly new. So the standby was now doing suddenly eight shows a week. But in Australia, they technically do the alternate. So the standby always does two shows a week. So she was now doing eight shows a week. The understudy had not had her put in yet. So they were just like, they needed someone quickly. And our associate director said, Jenny, this is Friday. We were wondering if you could fly to Sydney, Australia on Monday. and get into the show. So I, I, I was like, um, yes, like who doesn't say yes? Yeah, to yeah. I think the reason that they gave it to me was mostly because they knew I could like my swing background. Mm-hmm. They knew I could just kind of like jump in. I had that sure I'll do it kind of attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and so I flew there on Monday and I was in the show Wednesday evening Ugh. in Australia. Um, but it was so, it was crazy. It was fun. The way that it was presented to me was, this is an emergency and we need somebody. Can you, can you do it? Yeah. I feel like looking at your kind of wicked resume, it's kind of marked with all of these opportunities that were, that could potentially be really stressful of like jumping in, in like an emergency situation. But hearing you talk about it, it seems like that you had the point of view that they were more like exciting those kinds of opportunities and not stressful crises. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I feel like I kind of live for those moments. I don't, I'm not much of a like daredevil type of human, like <laughs> in real life, but I guess that's my like adrenaline junkie kind of rush, like getting like pushed into those kind of positions and seeing yeah. if I can do it. It was so fulfilling, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and it built, it slowly built my confidence up because I was in a place where I was still like, oh, I'm the dancer that 
got really lucky. As she's belting as Elphaba. (laughs) This was all in my own head, of course. I was going to say, it's got to feel pretty validating to be the woman that Wicked LLC can be like, hey, can you go over and do this? We trust you to like just slide in in an emergency, you know? I still can't believe it because there were years in there where I was like, is this ever going to happen for me? I don't know, you know? Yeah. Mm Because I was a standby for six and a half, seven years before they gave me the role full time. So it wasn't all like easy going great like i mean i was always very grateful to be where i was and i would whenever wicked calls i'm like if i'm not doing anything (laughs) else i'm there (laughs) this summer we've been talking to women who have like done multiple 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 contracts of wicked over many years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at this point were you kind of thinking am i tired of this or were you still was the idea of doing it full-time keeping you in the game Oh yeah, full time. Because before I got a full time Alphaba contract, that was the next goal. So after I became a standby, you know, obviously the opportunities that took me internationally were awesome. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. two Sydney and Korea. Um, so like around after that time, it was I just want to play the role. I was like, I don't care where it is. I just want to get a, a full time contract. Mm-hmm. And then the tour tour two came up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always like the next goal, right? Because then after tour two, it's like, I just want to play the role. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so what was it? How did the tour full time happen? Did you have to go on an audition again? Or were they just like, hey, I did. Shut <laughs> up. The goal. I'm, I'm sure you probably <laughs> heard this from some other alphabas. It was interesting. I remember I was on Broadway and I had... I was on for the weekend and then I was on Tuesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. as a standby. And I had an audition for Alphabet on Monday in a studio. <laughs> Sorry, I have green in my hands. <laughs> but okay, so did that give you a level of confidence going into the audition or was it yeah. like greater pressure because you had been doing it? <laughs> yeah, it was greater pressure. Not really. It didn't give me more confidence. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, well, that it didn't. I mean, it happened multiple times, you know, while I was a standby. So when you took over full-time, that wasn't the first time you had gone into audition for full-time Alphaba? No. No. Do you remember previous instances? There were three others before that. Mm -hmm. So that was my fourth time auditioning as a standby. And it was all of the times the Tour 2 Alphaba came up because I didn't audition for Tour 2 for the original, but then all the replacements afterwards I auditioned for. How did you not lose determination through all of that? Well, I did. Like, I'm not okay. going to lie. So I was yeah. the standby on Broadway. So after Chicago closed and I went to Broadway, I was a standby for two and a half years there. In the middle of it, I traveled to Sydney, Australia. Uh-huh. And then I came back and I stood by for five or six women on wow. Broadway. And wonderful, incredible, awesome women that I learned so much from. Yeah. But it was very hard. You know, it was hard watching women come in and out of Broadway company, go in and out of the tours. And I was also standing by for really powerful women that were Mm -hmm. strong eight shows a week. There would be two months that would go by where I wasn't even in the show. Mm -hmm. And that was hard too, because I was like, what am I doing with my life? You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I left Broadway as the standby, I was, I knew I needed a break. I needed to step away from the show. I really needed to like 
find myself again because I yeah. had been such a go go wicked, you know, like wicked was your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all it was. And that's like what mattered. I only mattered if I was doing well in wicked. Mm. and I kind of reset and did other things and yeah. saw my family and like, you know, reconnected to the real had a life. social life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that you would come back though at some point while you were taking your break? I knew that I would want to come back, but mm -hmm. I, I kind of made a decision that I would only come back if it felt right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it always did. You know, when it ended up coming up, it it did feel right. But mm -hmm. I knew that like for me at that moment leaving the show, I was like, I need to take care of myself and like re-evaluate what is important to me. And yeah. the first time I came back to the show, I filled in on Broadway, but it was for an ensemble track. I filled in for the alphabet understudy track and wore oh the frankenstein wig we didn't know that i didn't wow. know that yeah, it was crazy. 2012 because i remember i was there in, in new year's there's something to be said i think it's really commendable that you were able to kind of swallow your ego in that regard and come back in that track after having worked your way up the ranks you know there's something to be said you know like i and and to each his own like i i think everybody needs to make the decisions that are right for them but for mm -hmm. me it was like i haven't worked in eight months Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is good for me. This will be good for my soul. It'll be good for my bank account. Yeah. It'll be good for my health insurance weeks. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not beneath me. Well, yeah. So when you took that kind of break and you were seeing family connecting with yourself, like what difference did you see when you did come back into the show? It was just a perspective that there's more than just the job or the need to keep hitting those goals, you know? Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm those restorative breaks and I've had many over the years since that that first big one it's always good for me to like take a step back because I'm like I, you remember what's more important very similar to what's happened in the last you know year plus right yeah. like yeah you know I think it's just it's a nice like reset to kind of remember okay it's it's not you know, because when you get into the audition mode and the like, I gotta, I want to go on or I want to like sing that note, like you, you just, you get into this weird bubble, like you create this bubble for yourself and mm -hmm. you forget about it, it space, doesn't yeah. matter, you know, right. it's like. I just want to enjoy myself. I want to be on stage. And and once I had that restorative break, like coming back into the show, I felt more free. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could breathe and I could like be myself and and really enjoy it. You know, you you go through this pattern in your contract. You get into this mode where you're like, oh, I got to get into the mode. And then you're like, smooth sailing, smooth sailing. And then it's like, punk, like something like, <laughs> you know, happens where you're either like, I can't remember my lines or... You yeah. know, you get this mental block about a note and like the, those things are real. And you yeah. get so yeah, yeah, wrapped yeah. up in this thing. And I, and after my like maybe like eight or nine year mark of being a part of the show, I feel like I'm now confidently able to be like, oh, that note sounded bad. Okay. On to the next. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a human. I'm not a robot. Put it in the past. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So what was that first contract on tour? Did you have moments where you were like, oh, this isn't everything I thought it was going to be doing your first contract full time? Yes. Oh, for sure. Because when you're an understudy and a standby, you are you watch it all the time and you're like, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. And then you get there and you're like, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. Now I get it. <laughs> Not that it wasn't all it's cracked up to be. It was just more like, oh, this is a lot different a lot more different than i i expected and how did the west end come about oh the west end so 
I did my contract on the road. I did a year mm -hmm. and then I had a restorative break again. <laughs> did you think I've done it full time? I'm done now. I'm satisfied. That was the first time I left the show where I was like, you know what? I really did what I wanted to do. Like mm -hmm. I played the role. Mm -hmm. If I don't ever play the role on Broadway, that kind of stinks. But you know what? I, I played the role. I played off. Yeah. So I was like, I stepped away from the show being like, I, I can move forward. I can close that book a little bit. And then like, I don't know, seven months later, they said, can you fill in on Broadway? <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> Like, if the check is clearing, I will come. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I filled in for Donna Vivino because she got a play and I was standby there for maybe five weeks. Like a week after I left, they asked if I wanted to go to London. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> like that was it. It was like, do you want to do it in the West End? Yeah, yeah. Like I had no like... I didn't know that it was available to Americans. I never asked for that. Position. Like I didn't know that was on the platter, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it was on the platter. I didn't know it was a place. Um, <laughs> I would have been asking in Chicago if I knew. <laughs> I know. I didn't check that box. I didn't check that box. I'm willing to. Yeah, so that one came kind of out of mm -hmm. nowhere, and mm -hmm. it was probably the most magical wicked experience I had. And wait, were yeah. you doing an American accent, speaking accent in London? Yes. I was doing an American speaking accent in London. And then I was singing when I had to sing with other people in a British-ish <gasps> accent. So I had to like hit really hard T's and like, what is this feeling so sudden and new? Only when you were singing yeah. with other people? Only when I was singing with other people. Wizard and I, you could do an American accent? Mm-hmm. You can just do your thing. Yeah, yeah, I just did my thing. That's tricky. Huh. It was weird. I, I think I found London, though, to be the most freeing because I was like, I don't know anyone yeah. here. Like, mm -hmm. it, no one. Well, you've talked about in interviews how London is when the first time you felt like you really, like, owned the role. And I think that's interesting because you had done it full-time on tour already. Yeah. What made London so different? Yeah. Again, it was all me creating this story in my head, but you know, I always felt like I was looked at like the dancer that mm -hmm. got moved up and slowly mm -hmm. moved up. So when I stepped into the London company, nobody knew my history. Nobody knew anything about me. They just knew I was an American alphaba, like that just played it on gotcha. tour. It was like the narrative shifted around you. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> my family always, they made fun of me because it was like... <laughs> When the press release came out, it was international superstar Alpha. <laughs> so, not wrong. I did not ask them to write this. I love. I, I love. I was like, okay, I'm an international superstar. <laughs> so that's how it was built when I was coming into the company. <laughs> okay, so we did West End full time, which to me at least feels like a major career achievement. Yeah, I felt like I was mm -hmm. on fire. Like it was the first time in my career that I was like confident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it felt like things mm -hmm. were happening. Well, it's funny that you talk about like the narrative you build in your head because now when you look back at your resume, it's like Wicked clearly loves you, Jenny. I know. And I still am like, there is still like a small thing back there, but like, yes, I, and I love them. Like I, yeah. I do. You keep going back. <laughs> I, I do. I take nice restorative breaks and I come back and I find a whole new part yeah. of myself. It's really, I've, I've grown up playing this role and it's, mm -hmm. 
it's intertwined in like a weird, wonderfully kind of fucked up way, like into my own life. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, it's, it's like a part of me at this point. It's weird. Well, so that's interesting. We've been talking to all these ladies who have done Wicked for a very, very long time and trying to pinpoint like the moment where they were like, oh, I'm maybe growing tired of this. But because Broadway full-time was kind of one of, like, towards the latter end of your Wicked journey, was there a moment mm-hmm. before you did it full-time on Broadway where you kind of were like, maybe I need to hang up the towel on Alphaba. I'm getting tired of this? No. <laughs> wow. We love to hear it. I'm not going to say there weren't moments I was yeah. tired or sure. tired of it, but there was never a time where I was like, um, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like full, there was never like a fully like I'm good done. Really, you know, it was always just like you know what I need to step away. Yeah, I need to. We need some space. It was yeah. like, oh, we need to go on a break. I always yeah. think about Wicked, and you know, going back in and out of the show. It's like it's like a weird relationship. Yeah. kind of like healthy boundaries messed up. But, um, healthy yeah. boundaries. We need we need to really figure that out. So like. Yeah, we need to take breaks and then, you know, it moves back into a new, a new relationship. (laughs) Was there ever a point like physically or vocally where you hit a block with the show? Like did, where, like. Is it hard for you vocally, Jenny, or are you chilling? It is. It's hard for me. Yeah. Um, I, I go through moments though. Like Uh when I said, like, I felt like I was on fire in London for some reason in London vocally, I was like, it's flowing, but then I do get into ruts where I'm like struggling because mm-hmm. when you're directed to play Elphaba, everything's so yeah. tense. Yeah, everything's she's... yelling. Everything is like really just like it's a ten. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. always yeah. at a ten. So like learning how to just speak vocally in the show, not even just not even just singing, but like just to like talk is it's a whole other skill that you have yeah. to like figure out for yourself. Everyone is always right. yelling is what gets you as Alphaba. It is. And the tenseness, cause like there's just so many parts of it that you don't like train for, or you really yeah. can't unless you're playing yeah. the role. Right. So yeah, the show can be vocally very difficult for me. Interesting. So huh. of the three full-time contracts you did, which was the most difficult and which was the most enjoyable? Ooh, that's a hard one, but I'm going to just go with it. my answer that came yeah. right to my mind. <laughs> the most difficult was my Broadway right. run, not because of anything with the show, mostly was because I had had my daughter and she was seven and a half mm-hmm. months old when I went back. Yeah. So my body was still like, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. God, <laughs> like, I can't. That is superhuman. Well, I played the role while I was pregnant. You and Rachel Tucker, right? It was crazy because I was in London for five months. I came home for a week. They told me, oh, we need somebody on tour one to close tour one. So I had a week off and then I flew to LA and I did the show for five weeks. And while I was there, they were like, we need somebody on Broadway. So right after LA, I went to Broadway and I filled in for um, Caroline Mm. Bowman for five weeks. Uh But during that one week between London and LA, I got pregnant. And then in LA, I was like, something feels different. And I couldn't really tell anyone, but I played Alphaba until I was 11 weeks pregnant. Wow. Wow. So yeah. So Broadway was the hardest. Um, London was probably my most enjoyable. I think it's really interesting and cool that you've had this entire journey with Wicked. You ended doing full-time Broadway and then you come back as standby, which here's the thing. 
For yeah. me, I would love to be a standby in Wicked because it seems like a pretty cushy gig. <laughs> she cushy. <laughs> and especially hearing you like juggling being a mother and everything, it seems like kind of the greatest gig for your juncture of life right now. It is 100%. I had a very weird two years after my um, Broadway run. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of a hard two years. And so I kind of stepped away from the business completely. Mm -hmm. And when I was like kind of getting ready to like re-enter the business, we had our 15th anniversary. Sure. So oh, I did that yeah. really fun anniversary special that all the, yeah, yeah. the Elfies and oh, we Glinda's did. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so after that, like I, Laurel Harris, yeah. who was the standby on Broadway at the time, she was taking a, like a two week vacation. And so they asked me to fill in for her. And I was like, yes, I would love to fill in. Um, and while I was there, Laurel was like, I got jagged yeah. little pill. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do this. And, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> something like maybe I could feel like, I'll do it. <laughs> I was just like, Jenny yeah. with the hand up. That's pretty much my wicked trip. Jenny with the hand. Um, Jenny with the hand. <laughs> um, it's true. I let the stage manager know. And, you know, they they were having new alphabets come in, like people that hadn't done the show before. Oh, so mm -hmm. I think they were like, well, let's keep that oldie around because, you know. <laughs> the oldie. I don't know. You know, the person that can jump in anywhere, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It was one of those per perfect for me at the right time in, in my life and exactly what I needed. And it's, it is the cushiest mm -hmm. role because it, it's fun. It's, it's less stressful because you're not carrying the yeah. show. I know how hard that is. I've... Do you feel any kind of like mentorship at this point in your journey? Like, especially like you're saying with the new girls coming in, who've never done the part before. Yes. It's yeah. almost like I, I want to be around. Like I want to be the standby almost so that I can talk yeah. to them and mm -hmm. be, uh, cause I remember when Hannah was there, she had been there, I think for maybe like a month yeah when I got there and I, you know, slowly kind of like tried to just say like, Hey, you know, if you want to chat, like I'm here, yeah. like I get it. I know mm -hmm. everything you're going through. Especially cause she had never done it before too. Her and Lindsay. Yeah. And Lindsay too. Lindsay mm -hmm. the same. Like I, I did the same thing <laughs> when she came in. I was like, if you want to talk, like I'm here. I mean, they are so great. That's why they booked this mm -hmm. role. And mm -hmm. however, there is, there's a part of playing this role that is you can't prepare for it. Yeah. It's all like a psychological, like something that you have to like figure out while you're in the show. And I'd love to be, be that person for, for any yeah. Alphaba. Yeah. If there's anything I've learned from doing this podcast, it's that the mental journey of Alphaba is like almost the biggest challenge. Oh, it 100% is. Nothing can prepare you for how it feels to be ridiculed in a show for three hours. Like, I remember there were moments where I was like actually paranoid that people hated really? me. Yeah. Like you get to that place. It's so crazy, but it's, it's me. That's maybe around like the seven month. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's maybe in that pocket like, for me. Oh, yep. <laughs> Time to go. Months? Okay. There we go. Here we go. <laughs> oh my goodness. Six months and three weeks. Can't wait till next week. Oh, I got it. All right, so we play a game with every guest that we have on, and we ask them okay. if they're a wizard and I, defying gravity, or no good deed alphabet. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. I'm going to go with 
wizard and I. Ooh, that's spicy. You and Stephanie J. No Block, one picks Jenny. The wizard and I. <laughs> really? Yeah, you're the only two. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love her. I love that. I love her Us so too. much. Um, it's the wizard and I, and it's because it's just so hopeful. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the songs that I feel like you get to meet Alphaba at her rawest moment mm-hmm. before all the stuff, right? Yeah. I just, I love that song so much. It's probably the hardest song for me to sing because it's, it's right. Well, that's why me. no one chooses it. They're like, it's so horrible that they make us do that. It is stressful, but it's like that kind of, that's the bar, right? Like that's where you kind of set your show and you can kind of tell like how the show yeah. is going to go. Cause mm-hmm. like, is Elphaba going to be maybe a little feisty today? Is she going to be like super like hopeful and like, I don't know. I, there, there's just so many parts of The Wizard and I that I feel like that song itself is like a whole show. It's like a Journey. whole story. And I just, I love watching, I love watching actors sing it as well because mm-hmm. i feel like i can tell what kind of alphaba they are by watching their mm-hmm. wizard and i yeah. we said i think it was with you know? caroline bowman we said that that song seems like the song that you would do in like theater school where they make you act it out as a monologue yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> now speak it make me believe it as text oh my yes. goodness jenny this has been so amazing thank you so much for joining us this, this has so been so fun. great i'm so honored i finally got oh to my talk god to you guys. no we're honored oh my god uh where can people find you online jenny oh gosh well they can find me at jenny denoya on instagram and i did just make a website <gasps> during you know, oh my the goodness. lockdown i i I need to add stuff to it. I, I made it myself, but it's JennyDenoya.com. I have to visit. Yeah. Oh, thank you for joining us, Jenny. This has been so great. Thank you for having me. I hope I get to meet you guys in person soon. Kevin, that was like a really, really cute conversation. I'm like almost emotional after it. The conversation was so great because it was about like, the themes of playing Alphaba and not so much about like the minutia of her contract history. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. That was an incredible conversation. That was amazing. Mm. Adding to the list of things that we didn't know the Chicago company gave us, I guess I never clocked that the Chicago company turned into the second national tour. Yeah, I never did either, but I guess it it makes sense. Fully makes sense. It's like the, the first set stayed there. <laughs> And then the second cast took it back out on the road. Second national tour. What was it? The Munchkinland tour? It was the Emerald City tour in the Munchkinland. Is that true? Mm-hmm. The non-act tour is going to be like the Kiyamako tour. <laughs> wow. Um, you know what I loved is when we asked, like, at what point did you get tired of mm-hmm. the role? Because 2007 to 2021... You would assume a witch would get tired. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I really loved, and it wasn't like a canned answer either. She was like, no, like genuinely. No, it was really genuine. Yeah, she was like, obviously I had like human moments where I was like tired of my job as any of us have. But like in general with the role, I didn't get tired of it. Clearly, as she is still in the current Broadway cast of Wicked. I liked what she said too about how for her, the wizard and I was not only like, a vocal check-in, but kind of like an acting check-in about like where her alphabo was going to be living yeah. that night. I thought that was 
really interesting because I really only think that we had SJB Di Rossioli. I think those are the only two that said they liked The Wizard and I. Did Caroline Bowman like The Wizard and I or was she just The Wizard and I episode? No, her answer was the battle cry in Defying Gravity. Defying Gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think those are only three Wizard and I alphabets, D, SJB, I th- and Jenny. Torrens gave us two. She said it's either The Wizard and I or Defying Torrens was a verse. Yeah, she was verse and Donna Vivino was verse. Oh, that's right. In the verse alphabas. Nothing scares me more than a verse alphaba. <laughs> no woman is more powerful than a verse <laughs> alphaba. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, okay, so one thing that I think found really interesting talking to Jenny is we've kind of been getting into this mental health journey of Alphaba mm-hmm. with our later guests that we've had on. So when she talked about relaxing into the role and it took time mm-hmm. to kind of get out of that headspace of, oh, I botched this note, I suck, mm-hmm. um, I think was just kind of in line with what we've been hearing from the other Alphabas and the mental health toll that it took on them playing this part. And I think too with that, it's like, I don't know, did you clock this that she was saying that London was her best mental health contract and then she also said it was her best vocal contract oh wow kevin it's like great that that happened for her you know what i mean that that but it goes hand in hand it goes hand in hand yeah 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 no that's what i'm saying but also it's so interesting that from her point of view she kept saying she was like i'm the dancer that got moved up her point of view of it is so different than like our outside perspective where we're like this bitch was in the ensemble and is now the record-breaking alpha but like no tino shade but i have never thought of jenny genoy as the dancer who moved up i'm like for once in my whole life the beltress wicked alpha but icon legend blah 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 never am i like oh she's just got she's lucky to be here no 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 a legend in her own right yeah just like i think a really great interesting conversation that was very different than like conversations we've had with other totally it felt very special yeah, I'm re- I I love this episode. I already know I'm going to love it. Mr. Quincy. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what is that? Yes, Kevin? I have been waiting all day. Before we did this episode, I texted Kevin and was like stuck on SGB as mine this week. Yeah. So I have been waiting and waiting to know what it is. Okay, so for tonight's Stuck on SJB, which it feels like it's been a while since I've done one. It has been. But here's what I'll say. I enjoy when you do it more anyways. Like, I find it more of an entertaining experience. Thank you. Anyway, someone tagged us in, OMG, Stephanie J. Block's Last Defying Gravity is back on YouTube, and then tagged Sentman Pod, which, thank you so much. I appreciated it. Thank you to this listener. And in honor of this listener and in honor of Stephanie J. Block, I went back and watched this video. (gasps) I'll begin with the witch is acting and like giving such genuine, authentic, but interesting and unique choices to each line. Incredible masterclass in acting. She's also glassy-eyed from the start. How could you not be? Yeah, glassy-eyed from the start. Really appreciate it. Subtle touch. She was like, no one past the first six rows are going to see this, but I'm still going to do it. Kendrick has a bomb as Glinda. I thought that was just worth noting. She goes into the second verse, which is my personal favorite verse of Defying Gravity. I, Whenever I watch a boot of Defying Gravity, I skip to the second verse and I skip straight to the flying portion. See, I skip right to Glinda, come with me, think of what we could do together. 
Wait, Kevin, that's what you watch when you watch a bootleg of Defiant Gravity? That's where I start. From day one, I have been like, that section is an immediate skip. No. Well, no, because I like to see that moment. No, it makes so much sense for you. I get it. Well, yeah. I mean, look at who we are. But <laughs> I guess I just never thought like, oh, Kevin probably watches this. Also, because I love that harmony. I hope you're happy in the end. I, uh, it's so pretty and I love to hear how it sounds with the different combinations the only time I hear it is when I see the show live I can actually firmly say that <laughs> um, second verse she speaks losing I wouldn't even say speaks I would say exclaims in an exasperated tone losing love I guess I've lost into kiss me goodbye straight tones on kiss me goodbye it's beautiful mm. i obviously skip we've established that i skip over the glinda alphaba stuff there so didn't watch that but i always get to the pre-flight speech and here's the thing not to clock miss sjb Ooh. stephanie j clock her stephanie j clock her so what did you stephanie j clock so I stephanie j clock <laughs> it's not her she had nothing to do with it but I'm pretty sure it's she has nothing to do with it. Okay. Maybe it, this is like a um, Veril Veil B. Which, have we talked about that on the pod? We have. We have. Sure. And that's the thing. Like, it's a dumb thing to clock. But for the purpose of the podcast, I'm going to clock it. She says she had nothing to do with it, which I found personally thrilling. She, like, yells and exclaims, everyone deserves the chance. She, like, yells and exclaims mm -hmm. it. And I think it is per. Fact. First of all, I'm like, okay, she's a human. She's feeling real emotions in the moment. This is her last show in Wicked, a show that she, as we know, has such an emotional connection to. Yeah. Secondly, works perfectly for the moment. I was like, oh my God, this is a great acting choice, regardless of if it was intentional or mm -hmm. not. Um, so I would just implore everyone to go back and watch that video now that it's back on YouTube and hit me up if you want the full boot. Don't actually hit me up. <laughs> Quincy... Can I give you a little baby bonus stuck on SJB? Only if I can give you a baby bonus choices, options, and risks. Okay, deal. Look at that. I love this segment. <laughs> Stephanie J. Block and Kendra Kassenbaum and the company doing one short day on, I think it's Leno. Stephanie gives the greatest line delivery I have ever heard of, and it's all green. I love a line delivery. <laughs> Jenny Denoya, I believe Teal Wakes and Anne Brummel singing Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. Jenny Denoya is pregnant, which is topical now because we talked about her pregnancy in the episode. It's just like a great performance of vocals and like funny, like we're all friends just here having a good time. It's like a really fun, feel good video. Check it out. <laughs> One more episode left in Summer with Scent Men. Who's it gonna be? The last of the summer. <laughs> I'm really happy with this episode. I feel great after speak. I really do just feel so good after talking with Jenny. It was like a good conversation on top of being a good interview. Yeah. We're really mixing up the format here at Scent Men this summer. <laughs> if you haven't yet, please rate and review us on yes. Apple Podcasts. I actually just went through and looked at our podcast page and I was like, oh, there's new reviews here. This is cute. And it, guys, it made me feel so good. So it please. did. It did. <laughs> Validate me, please. See you in two weeks. Bye. You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. Thanks to Julia DeMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. 
You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com. Or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. That's S-E-N-T-M-E-N-P-O-D. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. She kind of only mentioned the vocal of it all after we brought it up. I brought it up. Yeah. Which, that, which by the way, th- I was trying to find a delicate way to ask that question. And then you were like, is it hard for you, bitch? Like... <laughs> <laughs>